Welcome to the Ag Emerge podcast brought to you by Ag Solutions Network. We're here to move the ag paradigm forward by helping you regenerate your soils using new ideas, research, and emerging technologies. Get ready to improve your soil, your crops, your livestock, and your family's livelihood. I'm Kim Sheese. And I'm Monty Bottens. And we're your hosts. Thanks for joining us. You know, building and improving our system's approach to soil health isn't just a movement happening on the farm. There are more and more companies coming alongside growers to encourage implementation of these practices, understanding the value of restoring our soils while addressing consumer concerns and desires. In today's podcast, we've got a great opportunity to explore some of those ideas with Jay Watson, the Sourcing Engagement Manager for Global Sustainability and Grain Operations at General Mills. Jay leads efforts to advance progress on agricultural sustainability efforts. Jay says he's been fortunate to travel to where many of GMI's key ingredients are grown and appreciates the opportunity to connect with farmers and learn more about their stewardship as well as their family legacy. Well, welcome, Jay. We are really looking forward to our conversation today as we talk about why and how companies are working to further that soil health message and implementation. But first, we would love to hear a bit of your story. Yeah, sure thing. And, and thanks for the, the opportunity to share more. Um, so yeah, my name is Jay Watson. I um, born and raised in St. Paul, Minnesota. And so I grew up in the city, didn't really have any connection to the farm, although you don't need to drive far from the Twin Cities to be out in farm country. Um, so I started, uh, I studied finance and economics in my undergrad. And then I came to back home because I was studying down the Southwest, came back home to Minnesota to work for General Mills. And um I found the sourcing organization, so purchasing was really, uh, gave me a great opportunity to kind of leverage my, my training, but also my, my passion to just work with people. You know, I think about those kind of finance and economics, I didn't want to be lost in spreadsheets and modeling all day. So I had a great opportunity to work with lots of the different functions within General Mills, but also with suppliers, um, other external partners. And so sourcing and being a buyer really led me to sustainability because I worked as a buyer for corn, for um, sweeteners, for fruit prep, you know, so I got a chance to buy a lot of different things about over about a 10 year career in sourcing. And then an opportunity presented itself to, to work on a sustainability project within one of my last buying roles, which is all things oats. Um, so I launched our sustainability program, our 2020 sustainability program for oats up in the prairies of Canada. And um, that was going well. And then the, my, uh, my now boss said, hey, you're doing such a great job on oats. Why don't you come work across all of our kind of key priority categories and sustainability? So um, that's what led me to sustainability and because I had the background in sourcing, sourcing sustainability was the focus. And then most of our source of sustainability initiatives are connected to agriculture because of a lot of the things that we buy um, go into the products that we uh, produce and market. Um, I'm not as connected to some of our packaging sustainability work. So I, I have the privilege, I'd say, 
uh, in different years to be out on farm quite a bit to work um, and learn from producers. Uh, Monty, thank you for your contribution as a producer. You know, that's one thing I like to do just to thank um, farmers and ranchers when I go out and have a chance to, to learn and, and, and hear more about their stories. Um, something I don't think is, is done enough, um, you know, thank a farmer. So, but that's kind of my background. Um, and I'd say it started with the sustainability kind of concept with um, can we do more with less? Can we get more efficient? Can we continuously improve? Which I think there's been a great um, legacy already on farm, uh, many farms of this commitment to doing things better. I think that evolved with some of the leadership under Jerry Lynch, our previous chief sustainability officer to invest in soil health is really this, this big bet around um, how do we not only grow food, but do it in such a way that um, repairs some of these systems with the soil as a key uh, opportunity of focus. And then soil health really led us to regenerative agriculture. And so I have the opportunity now and the privilege to steward some of our regenerative ag um, and soil health related giving, working closely with our partners in the General Mills Foundation, and then work to set strategy for where we're going to launch pilots, um, who we're going to work with, how many farmers to target. Uh, and when I say we, um, we have a great technical team. So General Mills is blessed with uh, a soil scientist on staff. So we have a PhD soil scientist. We have a couple other PhD research agronomists. And so luckily I can work hand in hand with them to build these programs that really have a strong kind of support for farmers and the surround. When we talked about, talked a little bit about technical assistance earlier, that's a one thing that we've really leaned into, but we have that kind of um, science and uh, measurement legitimization, uh, legitimization with kind of the best research, um, kind of emerging research as we think about how to study some of these systems. It's not, there's not great tools out there quite yet, great processes. And so work hand, with, hand in hand with them to think about how to drive adoption on the landscape, on the, on the landscape, but also how to measure impact. And that's what I've called out in other kind of podcasts or talks is that if we want to use the term regenerative agriculture, we have to measure what actually is regenerating. And so um, a little bit of a challenge to others, if we're going to talk about it, we need, really need to substantiate it with science and evidence and impact. Um, so more than you asked for, but that's a little bit about my story. And um, I live in Minneapolis now, so just across the city or across the river, so the other sister city in the Twin Cities here, and um, just feel so thankful to be able to kind of work alongside of a lot of leading producers and find this role where gentlemen can play our part in advancing kind of the overall farmer-led movement. So. Well, Jay, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. And My pleasure. Uh, yeah. I thank you for the thank you. But on, on the other hand, uh, I think farmers also need to realize that you're our customer. And many times as farmers, uh, you know, we're growing commodities and, and we really don't think about, uh, you know, the, the point of delivery that we're delivering to, whether it be, you know, a river terminal or land terminal, rail terminal, we don't really think about our customer. It's just, we kind of, sometimes I think it's a little easy on commodity crops to get the mindset of, Oh, they're trying to get us, you know, like on the other hand, uh, they're our customer. So we need to make sure you're happy. So I think it's exciting to hear a little bit today of your perspective as our customer. What are you looking for? Because I assume the reasons you're looking for these things is because your customers 
are asking for these things. So we're all ultimately customer responsible, right? All the way to, to the family, you know, General Mills from both the production side and the sourcing side and us as farmers uh, watching everything from the soil com- all the way to the family's plate. Uh, we're all in this together to uh, help them get what they're seeking. Is that a, a fair way that this is really a partnership where we need to approach this from moving forward? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, and I, it's, it's really that kind of thinking about how the whole value chain works together because, you know, of course our customers in a way are consumers, but we sell our products to retailers who then, um, you know, cater to consumers. And so, yes, we need retailers to come along the journey along with us, um, with supplier partners, with grower partners. We all need to kind of play unique roles in this overall movement because we, we can all deliver something different, but in this this total system of advancing um, soil health and regenerative agriculture. The consumer side is really interesting. I mean, there's certainly the the uh, a subset that's, where soil health, regenerative ag, they want it now, they're aware of it, but it's not the lion's share of consumers. Um, I think there's certainly a, a large set of consumers that, especially during the times we live in now, it's about affordability, it's about convenience, accessibility, taste, right? So we can't alienate one consumer group by only talking to another. I think we, we exist to provide choice. That's why we have natural and organic brands. That's why we have conventional brands. The great thing about regenerative ag, soil health, is it applies to all systems so we can get away from this pro this anti this we're pro food we're pro agriculture and there's different opportunities within an organic system Um, you can apply the same soil health principles within a regenerative or within an organic system as you can in a conventional system it just practices take a different shape so i love that because we can talk inclusively about where we feel like the opportunity is not just at general mills but um, across the broader industry and so meeting those consumer needs i think definitely i think that's what we've done well as an organization for over 150 years but certainly what producers have done well too is kind of meet those market demands and signals and I, i expect that more of those will come but they're What's often talked about too is just this big divide and gap between consumer and producer. So in order to talk about something like regenerative ag or soil health, we need some uh, uh, kind of a foundation of understanding of how the food and ag system works currently to help people understand how it maybe could work with different approach uh, moving forward. And so there's, there's, there's lots of opportunity there to play a role in this kind of driving greater awareness and education of how these systems work and how they could work. And some of the challenges that exist today that soil health regenerative ag provides a solution for. Um, but uh, I think, you know, we, I talked about science. It's an, it's an and strategy. We need science, but we also need stories. And that's what I'm really bullish about is that there's great stories of innovation, ingenuity, stewardship, and we just have to figure out a way to amplify those and do it in a way that connects emotionally with folks that are maybe looking for more of a story and connection versus show me the data about how soil carbon changed over time. You know, that that's my, might be more appropriate for a different stakeholder, um, but for you know, those consuming products that we market, um, you know, I think it is just helping them understand um, 
Monty, folks like yourself, you know, your, some of your history, some of your commitment, um, the evolution of your approach, it's just shining more light on these great stories that already exist. I think that's part of the role that General Mills can play. Yeah, and it's excellent to be able to find ways that we can identify the value that we are creating and, and allow the consumer all the way to the end and everybody in the chain to benefit from that value that is being created. So that's the, uh, that's the long-term goal. But I want to, I you mentioned early on about the big bet uh, that mm. was made by the uh, your former chief sustainability officer, I believe was the title. Um, talk about that big bet. Where did it come from and why? And how long ago was that? And, and put in the context of just maybe how, uh, how wild of an idea it was at the time and, and what does it look like today and, and why? Why was that bet made? I mean, General Mills is a company that's uh, doing great things. It's got great market share in many of the brands that they're in. You know, why risk going into uh, the unknown? <laughs> well, I think I'll, I'll do my best to kind of peer into the mind and history of Jerry Lynch. I mean, he, he might call me after this podcast, but of course I'm not him, so I don't know exactly drove it. But I mean, I think in a lot of ways... I, I'd say one, it was the right bet to make. I think it's, it's, we've certainly um, gotten a lot of feedback that it, it was the right thing to invest in. Certainly as we've deepened our investment with regenerative egg, it's been the great foundation to build from. I think in a lot of ways, Jerry was well-connected in the industry. And so it wasn't just his idea. It was um, him pulling insights from lots of partners they're saying you know there's there's something here you know agriculture could look differently if we focus on not just physical and chemical properties of soil um, physical and chemical um, approaches to managing a system what if we really um, you know promoted biology and brought that back more into the fold and what could soil health do for not only the food system but society as a whole if we think about all these other um, kind of benefits that can come from these types of systems implemented on a broader swath of acreage across North America and the world and so I think that's those those kind of insights from a lot of trust probably trusted partners drove um, kind of this awareness to say, hey, can we pull um, together the Soil Health Institute that's emerging, the Nature Conservancy, the Soil Health Partnership, you know, was on that um, webinar earlier this morning to kind of fill that, find, figure out how we as General Mills support some of these early advancements in research, in demonstration, again, to, to, to test and learn, to see, is this, is this the right approach? What can be done? And I think um, it probably wasn't long before we realized that producers have already been doing this for a long time, many of them. So that was also validating to say, we're hearing these stories, a lot of them anecdotal because we don't maybe don't have all the research yet where producers are getting into their fields earlier. They're seeing less pressure from pests. They're, they swear by more nutrient density of their crops and their livestock. So I think all those things probably led Jerry to think about, okay, well, where, where do we go from here? You know, how is soil health that place? We, we often hear about economics, right? That's one thing I got very used to talking about with producers like, yes, I get it. 
we agree you cannot steward natural resources unless you have a profitable business. So economics needs to come first. Um, but soil health doesn't really necessarily say economics. You know, that's where when we talk about regenerative ag, we talk about re regenerating ecosystems and profitability. And so that's where we can bring that kind of profit and economics into the spotlight. And that's where I think it was, we had some brands like Annie's and Epic provisions that could kind of lead the way with small as in a kind of smaller challenger brand setting to talk uh, about soil health and regenerative ag because those, I would say those consumers are a little bit more aware kind of asking for it now we have a great built-in learning laboratory um, with some of these brands that can test some of these activations with products that we can then bring to some of our larger um, platforms and businesses and so I think, uh, you know, I'm happy that the bet was made. I think we're getting confirmation probably weekly that it was the right thing to do. Um, and I'd say he had to get support from leaders too at General Mills to take some of our um, financial resources and make some of these investments. And I think the way that he and we've been successful since and keeping it a priority for the organization is that, you know, our business models, we take the output of, of mother nature and farming, and then we, we turn it into a delicious, affordable food product and we market that. And what we talk about is that if the front end of that system breaks down, it's really hard for us to have a sustainable business. And so it's the right thing to do for our business, most notably for our supply chain, to build greater resiliency into farm operations that we depend on because that creates greater resiliency for General Mills. And if we want to produce and market the products that we do today um, across the world, um, it's not a sustainable future if we don't have uh, resilient ecosystems and farming communities. And so that's where I think that support from our C-suite and executives really probably emboldened him and the rest of our team to go even further and deepen our investment with players that I mentioned, but also launch some of our own pilots to do just what we talked about. Like what does work in this region? What are we hearing from farmers? We have to get context specific if we want to make an impact. And so that's what we've done with some of our activations with regenerative ag pilots that have been in the press. So really bottom line, the, the why was we just started with, we believe this is the right thing to do. Now, now how, do we, how do we backfill that and how do we use our position as General Mills to, to make this happen? And like you said, with the multiple brands that, that you work with, such as Annie's and Epic, that was just a natural fit. Makes mm -hmm. complete sense uh, how that's all come together now. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. <laughs> looking back, but it's amazing yeah. the impact you've made. And one of the things that really stands out to me is uh, Will Harris. Uh, I, I know him uh, down there in Bluffton, Georgia. He The impact study that was done uh, with the third-party verification, mm -hmm. and uh, he's had some fun with that. Um, he's He's got a fun personality. We'll, we'll put it that way. And uh, he says, you know, every time you eat a pound of our regeneratively grown regeneratively raised uh, grass-fed beef uh, we're sequestering three and a half pounds of carbon into the soil and then he also says for every time that you uh, uh, the study showed that every time you eat a uh, beyond burger uh, you're off gassing three and a half pounds for every pound of uh, beyond burger that you eat so he says just make sure you eat one pound of my burger every time you eat a, a beyond burger so but uh, no talk a little bit about some of the surprises like that that you've run into jay uh, through the various research things, whether it be the, the livestock end or the milk end, the wheat, other things that you've got going on. 
that have just yeah. really kind of backed up this and affirmed this why you're doing what you're doing and and just what kind of impact to you personally you you've mm. seen, but also you know to the company too but i I'd, I'd love hearing your viewpoints on these things yeah so uh, and yeah we love will and um you know, really, really interesting research to to talk about, or to just share a little bit of a different narrative around how we can lift up farmers and ranchers as really the key change agents that we need and that so critical to the solutions to the many challenges we have ahead of us. Uh, we need to do way more of that, not just General Mills, but everywhere. Again, the, what I talked about before with just lifting up these farmer and producer, uh, rancher stories. Um, but yeah, it, it, the General Mills for a long time has had a, had a, and this is why I've stayed at the organization for 14 years, one of the many reasons why, but uh, one of our values has always been to do the right thing. And so I think it probably did start that way. You know, this is the right thing for society, but also it made sense because it was the right thing for our business. And, you know, we've, we've been in the space for a little while, longer than many, but we're still getting a lot of early learnings, right? I mean, I think with our activations, um, you know, we have one for, for dairy, one, one that's focused in our key uh, winter wheat sourcing region down in Kansas, and then one in the, the um, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and North Dakota, if we think about our key oat sourcing region. And, um, you know, the, the soil health principles and, and the outcomes of focus for us, the outcomes being soil health, water, biodiversity, profitability, economic resilience. And then, you know, if we think about animals, you know, animal well-being and welfare, you know, we, we really talk about those being, let's, let's, let's keep focused on principles and outcomes. Let's intentionally leave the middle vague because that's what, that's what each individual operator or farmer is going to need to figure out for their unique operation. There's really not a regenerative practice because no one thing that you can do is going to regenerate that system. It requires that systems-based approach with many of those principles being deployed in, in concert with one another. And I think from some, one, one insight that I share from some of our pilot work is that um, we are, we are with our partners uh, understanding egg, soil health Academy, some of the Gabe Brown's organizations trying to bring a different mindset to how to manage an operation. And those principles are so important with the mindset. And um, what we found was that many producers who have enrolled early on, I think it was a little bit of a shock to them. I'm not, wait, I'm not going to get a recipe for this. Just just tell me what, I'm, what I need to do and I'll go do it to build more soil health and regenerative into my operation. And that's really not the approach at all. Really, it, it's about taking back some of that ownership for decision-making that, that maybe inadvertently has left the farm where you're observing, you're, you're making decisions with those principles in mind. And it is really the coaches that we have set up with these producers for up to three years where they're resourcing that producer to say, based on what you know, what would you do? And they're there to support them. They're not giving the answers. They're really trying to help that producer. So I, I, I look at that as we really need to invest in capability building in these communities. And the sustainable approach is really to help the producer understand how to do it on their own. Because 
we can't afford to stay in that region and continue to pay for all these resources into perpetuity, right? We need to, we need an exit strategy and the exit strategy is really to help the producers see their operation differently so that they understand how they can make the decisions to manage it differently with those outcomes in mind and guided by those regenerative principles. And, and Gabe and his team, they, they talk about context as the sixth principle, maybe the first one. We've kind of subscribed to that as well. Context, that's what informs um, how you apply the other principles. And so early on, I think there are some pilot participants that really um, – struggled a bit because it was like, wait, okay, I'm going to have to figure this out. I, I understand that now. I'm not just going to be told what to do. And I think it's a reflection of of what is happening on the landscape quite a bit where it is, you want to grow corn and soybeans, here's all the things you need to do. Um, you know, here's your, here's your package, here's your seed, here's your fertilizer, here's your pesticide. Um, oh, by the way, we can do some of those things for you, right? Um, if, if you're an ag retailer or a co-op. And so I think it's a very different approach. And so we try to set up our programs where we are trying to create as much of a holistic surround of support for those producers because we are asking a lot from them. But again, there's no, uh, maybe not again, there's no requirement, right? It's like you have to do this or else you're out of the program or there's no kind of connection to commercial aspects. So it really is us just trying to support and enable more of this experimentation on farm and then really trying to quantify the impact. And that's where, again, we have that great science team to um, lead new protocols to say, how do we study soil health and soil carbon um, biodiversity? We're doing some really interesting work when it comes to insects and birds. So Lots to talk about. I mean, we could spend hours talking about learnings that we've had, but you know, one of the other ones I would share just quickly is that we just need to do a much better job communicating all these great things that are happening within our pilots where um, that mindset is shifting within our producer set. They are thinking differently. They are connecting to one another to share, right? Um, you know, we know that farmers probably learn the best from other farmers. And so how are we facilitating some of that networking um, or just building upon what they already have as a social support network? Well, I, I agree 100% with the, the the principles are universal is what I, what I like to say a lot. Agreed. But the application is always local. Right. So, uh, you know, we the principles and in the I – mean, six states that we get to work with are all the same, but you're going from full irrigation and almond trees to dryland wheat, uh, to mm. uh, sugar beets uh, that are irrigated, you know, to rain fed corn. So it, there's a, there's a wide variance, but still the principles are, are universal and, and the application is local. And I love the outcome verification portion of it because I think what happened over time is, or, or the organic movement really when it began early on was looking at some of the things that were happening with chemical agriculture and seeing that okay the chemical agriculture has some negative effects that we want to avoid and we want to have more of a holistic approach to growing the crop and you have to have a holistic approach if you don't have chemical inputs over time it evolved into a friend of mine says organic is a list of no's <laughs> You know, so I thought that was interesting on the production side. You know, you can't use uh, uh, conventional fertilizers or you can't use conventional chemistries and these kind of all these things that you can't use, but you can use organic fertilizers. You can use organic 
you know, pesticides that, that are, that are labeled appropriately. And it really, uh, today, uh, on large scale organic is, is conceptually different than I think on this, just me saying this, uh, different than when it originally started. I, I think it's become, you know, just a same conventional agriculture, just changing the inputs to, to get the, uh, green USDA organic stamp on, on the output. I really think the regenerative mindset is closer to what organic uh, people were when the organic first emerged uh, from from the landscape. So, the nice part is this uh, organic 2.0, or we'll call it, you know, we, we're calling it regenerative, is focusing on the outcomes. Okay, now we we don't want nasty chemistries involved in it in the meantime because that would affect the outcome of the soil health and such. But I think by approaching it that way, start with the principles, measure the outcomes, you get, that's the, the science part of it. Now you get to apply your art of being a farmer. Mm-hmm. In our previous podcast, we farmer said, you know, in the 50s, somehow agriculture was replaced with agribusiness. And we forgot the art of farming. And I really think what you're doing, Jay, and General Mills is doing is you're allowing farmers to get back to that art of farming. Teach us the principles. Here's the outcomes we desire for consumers and and everybody in the value chain. Now, how do we make that happen? You know what? If you're in Garden City, Kansas, it's going to be different than how you make it happen in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. You know, Mm -hmm. it's been to both places. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, (laughs) so... Totally. Yeah. And you bring it up. Yeah. You bring up a really important um, concept in the sustainability space. And really it's, it's, it's more than just sustainability, but kind of these, the approach and schemes of more practice-based standards and outcomes. And, and for all the reasons you just mentioned, General Mills has always been about outcomes. And because I think, we want to allow for that flexibility in art, like you, like you said, if you drive the outcome in a different way, who's to say that you're not meeting a certain best practice standard and that you should be doing that, right? I mean, how do you try, how do you develop a best practice for agriculture when the systems are so different, when where you're farming is so different, you need to have different best management practices for every place around the whole world. Who has the time to do that? And so unfortunately, some of the some of the practice-based approaches can be reductionist because it's like, well, this is all the things. If you do all these things, then, then yeah, exactly. Here's the recipe. And I think in a lot of ways, those are, those are good because it's helped to shed a light on like a different approach. Um, But what I, what I started to say more recently, it's like, that's talking about the what we need the, so what, and I think people want the, so what I want it. I think it's, external stakeholders that are watching our work closely want it consumers customers what is the impact great um you went and verified that these things are happening on the landscape what happened to water what happened to biodiversity what happened to soil health what happened to farmer profitability i mean that's a place where organics done a really great job the profitability story has been there with the premium but you know again how do we raise all boats by saying organic has an opportunity to improve with better um, implementation of regenerative principles on farm 
conventional has the same opportunity. It just shows up a little bit differently based on what those systems look like. So we've always been about outcomes. Outcomes are a lot harder to audit and verify, right? So I, th- I think there's lots of third-party um, companies that can go out and say, oh, I can audit a practice checklist. You just go tell me what it is and I, I'll, you know, I'll send you an invoice and you can have it recorded and know that these things happen, but we don't necessarily know the impact of those things. And um, so that's why we are investing in our pilots to try to study in a place what happens to those outcomes. That's why we've also been, that's why our founding circle members of the Ecosystem Services Market Consortium to say, the so what of emissions reduction on farm and water usage and water quality, how do we measure those and then provide a market so farmers that are providing those services to society can get paid for those. You know, our Kansas pilot, we're piloting the ecosystem services market consortium, gosh, it's a mouthful, protocols. And so part of piloting that protocol is that we're gonna be piloting payments. So for producers who have enrolled, if they're generating assets, they have an opportunity to get paid for those assets. And that flows right into our approach for, you know, this opportunity to regenerate profitability. And hopefully if we can do that on a grand enough scale, not just General Mills, but the whole industry coming together, we can talk about regenerating rural farming communities. Um, And that's, that's really where I think there's great opportunities to just bring more of the human element to this work. Um, it maybe sounds kind of funny because that's always been there, but I think there's a lot of, it's, a lot of the press is about regenerative egg and soil health as a climate solution. Yes, that's one of the things that we want to address. But there's a whole host of other societal opportunities um, that we need to make sure that we're considering as well. Um, you know, I, I think if our systems on the agricultural landscape, which in parts of the country make up a large portion of the land mass in a particular region, if those systems aren't functioning well, it's having an impact off farm. We know that, right? I mean, and we, we can point to what local water quality issues, we can point to um, issues with farming communities that just aren't as uh, vibrant as they used to be. There's not the farm, there's not the vitality anymore. Like this is, a systemic issue and opportunity. And so as such, I think we're doing what we can to try and think of the role that General Mills can play in a systems level of approach um, to drive this kind of impact, you know, kind of starting small to prove out some of these concepts. I think we don't even know necessarily, we don't know quite yet, like, is the approach that we're taking with some of these pilots, is this, is it the, is it a, um, an effective approach. What other elements do we need? I mean, I think our focus in these pilot years is really to design for learnings so that when we need to make a decision to say, okay, we're going to scale, we're going to move to other regions, we're now, we now source those insights that will make our next activations that much more um, successful. Um, but, you know, a lot of white space and it's fun. And that's what we hear from farmers too, right? They just enjoy farming again. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you could probably relate to that. Yes. What, what better story is than that to share with somebody, um, you know, who's maybe already always appreciated the role that farmers play in our society, but doesn't is not aware of the you know financial challenges, is not aware of the mental health issues, and can 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 start to grasp a little bit of a hopeful 
solution and figure out a way that they can participate. I mean, I think that's what we've seen in other sectors and industries. Like you give consumers and their stakeholders an opportunity to, to vote with their dollar or to support causes that they care about. Just have we shed enough light on what challenges there are? Um, and, and do we have the right to do that if there's not that kind of foundation of understanding of how the system works? I mean, I'd certainly say before I started working in sourcing, I, before I went on like my first crop tour when I was buying corn, I knew very little bit of, very little about agriculture, right? I just didn't have that exposure growing up in the city. Well, there's a lot more people like me around the whole world. And so how do we talk about this hopeful solution well, solution to what? What are the issues? And we don't want to be all doom and gloom, but that's where I think Soil Health and Regenerative Ag, I, I, think, I think it was, um, is that really promising and hopeful solution? I think it was someone from the Iowa Ag Water Quality Alliance, I believe. It was on a, the Soil Health Institute's annual meeting, and he didn't talk about a silver bullet, but I think he said silver buckshot. And I really like that because that's that's kind of what it is. We, we need many different things working in concert together. And regenerative egg and regenerative approach is about pulling lots of different um, elements together to have that regenerative impact. And I'm just so, again, bullish because it's already happening. Farmers are leading the way. And so it's like for the rest of the industry to figure out what can you do to support the movement, to um, get the word out, to, um, you know, come alongside some leading organizations to try and develop not common standards for practices, but I'd love to see the industry unite around principles and outcomes. That's what I've been trying to drive. Can we align on that? Because then if we know the outcomes of focus that many of us are invested in, we can all choose to invest in technology and science together that advance those outcomes or our ability to drive those outcomes. And you just have an opportunity to um, unlock so much more differential collaboration with that alignment. But that's not a line on what are the best practices? Well, we're, we're going to spin our wheels with that. And it's going to be very different. And it's not going to be time well spent. And what I'd say is we don't have a large sustainability organization. I don't think any downstream food company does. We have to really, really smart with our resources, both our people and our investments. And so um, driving to some sort of like shared philosophy, I think will be really important. And, uh, you know, that's where I'm spending some of my time now is to try and help others understand what we're doing, what we're learning and inviting them to participate and, and in a more of a collaborative approach, but that's going to take some time as, as you would expect. Well, you being here today is exactly what we wanted to do with Ag Emerge by being able to, our audience is the farmer and we yeah. want our farmers to know what you're looking for as our, mm -hmm. as our customer and your downstream customers. But we also want an Ag Emerge was, was designed to, I get uh, frustrated with uh, ag technology companies today. There's all these, you know, data companies and, you know, blockchain and automation and all these, you know, big fancy words. And they're all doing the same thing uh, as far as I can see it right now, or most of them are. They are aiming at making conventional agricultural practices incrementally better. So they've got the silver bullet in the rifle. And the problem is, is the rifle is aimed the wrong direction. 
it's aimed to help us do uh, the things that we're doing today more efficiently. Where what we wanted to create with Aggie Merge is a community, like you alluded to, where, where you know folks such as yourself and other thought leaders, you know, and Gabe's presented at our conference and several other people have presented, that we want them to think differently and use that uh, silver shotgun and, and, and fire it in the correct direction, uh, the soil health principle direction, and see if what, what happens. And I really like what you're doing with these pilot programs because you're going to take the knowledge base that you have in these pilot programs that you funded, and you are going to discover some local practice, practices that are appropriate for the context that you'll be able to share with others that farmers will, like you said, naturally like to learn from other farmers and will apply that to others. And I think that seed that you're, that you're planting there with, with capital and, and consulting to help those farmers do something that they maybe wouldn't have done before will have a snowball effect over time. I think, I just think that's fascinating. And that's what we're trying to do with ag emerges is that seed we're trying to plant is a different paradigm, a different way to look at things, a different way to think about agriculture. Why do we have to keep doing it the way we've always done it? Because dad and grandpa did. And why do we do it? Because it's easy. And why do we do it? Because it's all about bottom line cost per unit produced only. You know, it, it's just fascinating to me why we don't consider community impact, um, you know, health of our customers that are working with us, health of our family, health of our uh, workers and coworkers. So this is a huge issue. And I, I just admire uh, what you and your team are doing to move the ball forward in the right way from really a pull through type of approach is, would that be a fair way to describe it? Jay, you're, you're, you're trying to create an environment to pull through versus, you know, where we create a, a governmental environment where it's a, um, you know, push through or beat into submission and push through. You know, yeah, I think I think moving. Yeah, certainly moving kind of beyond compliance, right? Yeah, like you can do it so much faster too. When 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 you're yeah. the person writing the check for it, you know, people adapt real quick. Yeah. No, I think. I think, I, you know, I'm I'm guilty of it too. Talking about sustainability, right? Is 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 about growing yield. I've talked about that in the past. And, you know, I had my own moment where I was like, what other businesses operate that way? Was Just the focus on- thing coming through, Jay. You can't help <laughs> right. it. <laughs> right. Like what other businesses operate that way and just focus on revenue? Um, and, and I thought to myself in this kind of the true definition of sustainability, can we really say that there's a sustainable future for this business or this region if we're only looking at those incremental advancements in efficiency, um, I mean, I, I, I've, I have the chance to travel in normal times to a lot of these places where key ingredients are grown. And I'm always hearing about resistance or water or, um, you know, soil erosion. At some point, these incremental gains and continuous improvement, they're going to they're gonna run dry, you know, the law of diminishing returns, and then you don't have a sustainable operation. So it really, it really begs the question is like, what do we need if we want to make sure that this operation is in existence for another several generations? 
you know, what I often hear farmers say is like, I want to leave it better in a better state than I inherited it from the previous generation. It's like, well, let's figure out how we can measure that you actually did that because yes, we want that too. It's a more resilient system. It's more, hopefully more profitable. So more resilient environmentally and economically, but this, this race for yields um, at what cost? Because a lot of those products and technologies out there, they're the, they're the shiny new things and a lot of them have driven a lot of great progress, but I'm not sure that a lot of them have the farmer's best economic interest at heart. Maybe in the first um, phase of a, a number of years where it really is helping, but it's, you know, Gabe and his team, they really talk about these band-aids that we're putting on like symptoms. We're not treating the root cause, right? Oh, oh, you have a pest problem. Let's treat it with the pesticide. Well, that might be because you don't have as healthy of an ecosystem as you could. So how are we addressing the root cause? And I think investing in producers so that they can do that and become, and Gabe and his team, they talk about freedom, you know, just like getting back to taking over more control of the decisions on farm, enjoying it. I love observation, what they talk about in observation, just like getting back to maybe how folks farm before. When they host Soil Health Academies, I've had a chance to be at four of them. You know, you walk from one field to the next as part of a demonstration. I think it catches a lot of producers off guard when Game and his team, they say, what did you notice when you walked in this field? What did you hear? What did you see? What did you smell, right? How did the soil feel underneath your feet? And, you know, many are just like, oh my gosh, I wasn't thinking about any of that. Well, it's like, how are you going to know what your unique ecosystem needs and what principles to apply for your unique context if you're not kind of receiving some of that feedback from the ecosystem. So I, I just really um, see our role is to resource some of these farmers and ranchers in the way that we can to hopefully accelerate some of the local know-how in these places so it can be translated to maybe even think about some of these leading farmers in our programs as being mentors that we could support with some sort of honorarium so that they take their learnings and support other farmers in the community once there becomes more interest. I mean, we're starting to think about phase two, phase three of some of our programs with really this idea of the most regenerative systems level impact possible. What is the role that General Mills can play with our resources? And um, it's a really fun question to try to answer and to try to build strategy around and just so so tickled and feel so fortunate to work in the space at this time when we've seen really um, significant challenges from COVID and other, uh, you know, wildfires, extreme weather, flooding, what that can do to the food system and how it's working right now. Uh, one of the questions that was asked to me, asked to me within the last couple of weeks is like, what's the ultimate goal with this work? And I think it is resiliency right? We, we need to build resiliency into the whole value chain. And I think it starts on farm. And if we can talk about more resilient farms, that's success in my book. I mean, that's going to translate to more resilient downstream operations and ourselves included. And um, again, I just, I think the world of producers, I, I've learned so much you know, from producers, that's been the highlights of my journey is just sitting down oftentimes with the cold beverage, just listening to stories. And, um, you know, I think anything that the industry can do to uh, 
more so lift up those producers, farmers and ranchers, as really the climate heroes, the water heroes, the heroes for uh, biodiversity, you know, for, you know, rebuilding communities, um, making sure that we don't have um, too much of an impact on local infrastructure that we all depend on as taxpayers, right? The, the, the impacts go way off farm. And so, yeah, maybe not a silver bullet out there, but it's something that we really believe in. And um, our experiences has taught us a lot about how to engage and how to do what we can and the unique role that General Mills is in. And I think part of it with this, with our regenerative ag commitment, but also our sustainable sourcing commitment from 2013, our climate commitment in 2015, it's leading in some way the industry and our network of peers so that they can come along as well. We know that making these kind of time-based commitments um, are going to kind of pull along others and that's intentional because we need other companies and collaborators to drive the impact that we think is there for the taking um, and not for our taking, but again, to spread across that value chain so that we have a more resilient food system. And, you know, you could add fuel and fiber to that as well. I mean, we just, there's, there's lots of opportunity. I just, you know, the farmers are doing great work already. And so anything we can do to, support that and accelerate it, you know, with our small yet mighty team, you know, we feel just really, really grateful to be a part of. So. Well, it's an excellent opportunity to be sitting around thinking about how can we prosper life today? Because essentially that's what you're doing. You know, when you prosper soil, soil life, you're prospering plant life and animal life and ultimately human life. So, um, you know, by making those right strategic investments that you were talking about. And I think, you know, anything that we can do together, to help a farmer do the two best things that he can ever put in his field, it, it would be great. And I think, um, you know, as we've moved more to agribusiness, these two things just aren't put in the field enough. And that really is one, his shadow. And, and number two mm. is shovel. Mm. Because uh, I, I like think that. too often we look at um, above the ground and, and don't look at what's going on below the ground. And it's just fascinating, yeah. especially when we have these times of extremes to go out and observe all that hard work and effort and decisions that you've made over the last 25 years, how they are impacting your resilience today. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, you know, you don't see that uh, looking at a computer screen, you know, you have to get out there and, and, and observe those things, like you said. And uh, it's well, and and growing our empathy for farmers, right? Where there's (laughs) yourself included, you know, the, the, the challenge is, is there and it's, it's one that's going to require significant commitment and investment, something that's already been happening on the farm for multiple generations. Right. I mean, I had this, um, I had this moment where I realized if, if we're trying to change the mindset for what was to what could be, and this is all that producers known and their father, mother, great grandmother, great grandfather, great grandmother, what, like this is how it's been. And we're asking them to think about it differently. How would I feel studying finance and economics if someone came and told me, hey, the things you know about the time value of money and supply and demand, actually, you need to think about those a little bit differently now. That'd be really tough for me. And I think it'd be, that's something that all of us can relate to when there's a different paradigm in front of us. Um, change is hard. 
especially when it's change that you need to own and you uniquely are the only one that can make that change because of the context that we've talked about. So I think it is, you know, again, supporting them where we can and bringing a high level of empathy to farmers and ranchers because they're doing the hard work and it's not, uh, and it's, you know, work that is often criticized, right? Um, sometimes by their own family. And so I just think that's, you know, if we, if we try to put ourselves in their shoes, um, I think we get even more appreciation for what farmers already are doing and what's, what we're asking them to do. Um, and not just as a food company, but for a lot of the other s- stakeholders within society that care about agriculture is like, this is why we should all be pro-farmer. And pro-farmer can mean pro organic farmer, pro-conventional farmer, pro-agriculture. And if soil health and regenerative ag is the foundation of that, then all those positive outcomes that we believe do exist and will exist, um, that's something we can feel really good about, I think, coming, coming alongside and being part of that movement. So I'm excited. Um, I'm really, I'm really uh, thankful for the opportunity to kind of share my point of view. It's uh, my point of view and my own unique ex- experience. Um, but I think uh, hopefully I did a good job kind of representing the General Mills approach and what we've learned and, you know, would, would invite uh, additional dialogue and discussion. Well, I think that'd be excellent. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll make sure I have a cold beverage for you. <laughs> not by our farm well, yeah i'd love to yeah when i can when i can get back out on the landscape right like you're, that's you're what i'm really missing right now working from home open, so yeah so thank you healthy soil helps uh, uh you know your own immune system so we're uh we're we're as prepared as we can be so yeah uh, right come on. on over anytime i i really appreciate your your time and effort your thoughts and uh, the leadership that you're doing to help uh, uh change the egg paradigm and the empathy portion of that that uh really meeting people where they're at is, is critical to understand in this. Excellent. I love how we're redefining the vocabulary that, that we're using in agriculture and really helping folks to redefine what success looks like, you know, for too long, I think we've equated yield with profit. And I think we're redefining what success and profitability looks like. And I think we can do that as we work as teams, you know, speaking like this and having those conversations and redefining what we're talking about to really make a difference for growers and let them have the excitement of discovery. Because it's a whole lot more fun to create your own art than it is to paint by numbers, in my mm. humble opinion. I so like you that. can still create a beautiful paint by number painting, but it looks just like everybody else's. Mm. Creating your own art through the, the crops that you grow and the way that you rebuild the soil that you're responsible for, I think is exciting. So thank you so much thank for you. joining us, Jay. Oh, we really appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. My pleasure. What a great conversation on how companies are working with growers to help move that soil health needle. We're seeing these partnerships grow, and what I appreciate is how they're working to help measure the impact. I thought that was an important takeaway from this conversation as we learn how to evaluate the benefits of improving soil health. What does it look like, and how do we quantify those results, and what does it mean for profitability? Jay said they're focusing on the principles and outcomes because every operation is different. I really appreciate that approach where they're helping growers adopt the practices that would work in their operations and make those decisions for themselves. 
And Jay made an important statement when he said, we need to build resiliency in the whole value chain. After the year we've had so far, I think we can probably all agree on that. We're so glad that you joined us as we continue the conversations that help us move out of that old ag paradigm. Have a great day.